sports, if you want to be the best, there are no off days. The maiden voyage is setting off. Three passengers set sail that day. Yes, a three-hour tour, a three-hour tour. You didn't know you were signing up for three hours, Chris Cato, I did didn't, you? I didn't know I was signing up for no days off. <laughs> what is this? I thought this was a one-day podcast. Yes, working harder this football season than you had previously planned. Chris Cato, Scott Smith, uh, kicking off this new podcast. We are so happy and excited to finally have this thing come to fruition. It's, of course, no off days, but otherwise known as... No off. Oh, Nod Pod. Nod Pod. Come nod, on. We're, yeah, we're still working on it. Nod Pod. If you if you don't if you don't know, is. just look behind that's you. That's the it's cheat code. Big block letters. And uh, in the pit box, let's welcome in Brian King, BK, our producer. Uh, he is our crew chief, and uh, we have him locked in. Brian, are we feeling good about today's show? Feeling a little bit antsy, but I'm excited about the show. This is going to be fun. You're always a little antsy. Yeah. That's, that's sometimes that does. That's you, a good thing. Yeah, it, yeah. it helps a little nervousness helps you perform better when it's game time so brian i gotta say i didn't know this was going to be on camera i I thought this was just like a i don't know a record our voice kind of thing so that's why i wore a t-shirt yeah tv 12 coming in strong you got to get on our group mail email there's kato yeah no i still managed to put on makeup though yeah well, you Amazing. sleep. Yeah, that's a, you sleep with makeup on. All right, Brian, we'll check in with you in just a little bit. But uh, coming up on the big show today, we actually, you know, this is a, a fresh podcast, a new podcast. It still has that new podcast smell, and so why not welcome in a couple other newbies? I mean, this is kind of a, a seismic change in college football it here is. in the state of Florida. We've got a new radio voice for the Gators. We've got a new radio voice for the Seminoles. So we got Sean Kelly from up in Gainesville, and we got Jeff Colhane from up in Tallahassee. They're going to be our guests. What a cool way to kick off the season. Especially how their careers kicked off, right? Both had some really memorable first games in the booth on Saturday. So can't wait to talk to them. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, some heart stoppers. <laughs> and we're hoping that this is an indication that things are starting to turn, especially up in Tallahassee, because it's been it's been a long ride uh, to, to get to this right. point where you're after the to a 2 start right out of the gates. Very good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is also week one of the NFL season. And, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of predictions, a lot of teams that we think could be in the mix at the very end. I mean, teams like the Bills and, of course, the Bucks and the Rams could repeat. It's all possible. But yeah. we do have some, uh, some FanDuel odds that came out. So I'm going to just run these by you. You tell me what you think, Chris. Okay, I'll pretend I all haven't right. looked at these. So Super Bowl favorite, Bills, Bucks, Chiefs, Rams. This is in that order. Okay. And then Packers, Chargers, rounding it out. All right. You have any problems with that? You want to reshuffle that deck? Bills, Bucks. Bills, Bucks, Chiefs. Okay. Rams at four. Uh huh. I, I would really like given the Bucks kind of offensive line questions. I'm going to drop them a little. Okay. okay. Sorry, Bucks fans, cover your ears. Uh, I'd like to slide the Rams up one. And also, where did you say the Packers were? Packers are coming in at six. Okay, I'm going to need them higher. I've got them around two or three just because I know there's questions about receiver, but it's still Aaron Rodgers, and their defense could be the best in the NFC. I, I think they need to be a little higher. Right, who's going to catch those passes from Aaron Rodgers? Uh, and then, of course, you got the Chargers kind of rounding out the, the top echelon of teams, yeah. and they are certainly one of the more exciting teams uh, when you yeah. can see what they do offensively and Justin Herbert looking to make another step. Uh, they have matchups for teams, too. They got the Bills beating the Bucks. That is the most likely pick, according to FanDuel. Uh, we got Bucks beating the Bills is number two. Chiefs beating the Bucks, so a repeat of the 2020 Super Bowl. Okay. And then uh, either the Bills beating the Rams 
or beating the Packers coming in. So, so some of these matchups, I mean, so many things. Injuries, of course, are going to be your number one concern. But yeah. but week one, I think we're going to get a little bit of an indication because you're going to have yeah. Yeah, you got Bulls-Rams right out of the gates or Bills-Rams right out of the gates, and, and it should be some fun ones. I think I saw the Bills are like a three, three-and-a-half point favorite. Some of their maybe um, – three points it should be a really good one i mean this whole first weekend has some really stellar matchups some fun revenge games built in where you've got baker mayfield starting for the panthers and playing against the browns oh yeah um, a little revenge yeah I like some of the worst uh, odds too. Those are always yeah. fun to look at. So I'm sorry. Well, find it, us yeah. some, no, find us value. We want to find some value here. Give yeah. us some long shots. Uh, well, we got some value for sure. Yeah. You want to make? You want to put ten bucks in and make ten thousand? That's okay. me. That's my middle name. There we go. Any, basically, any New York team aside from the Bills, right? So Jets, Giants, any combination thereof uh, versus anybody. Those are going to be your longest odds. So getting no respect, earmuffs for everybody in the Big Apple. Uh, we do have individual uh, records that I think are in intriguing a little bit passing yards leader they, they like justin herbert they say he, he's okay. plus 500 he is the long odds to uh to have the the, the highest passing yard okay this mr. season mr mahomes may have something to say about mahomes that. brady yeah. stafford all coming in tied at yeah. number two when it comes to touchdowns you got brady herbert allen so a lot of familiar names how about interceptions most who, picks? who, who would you pick for most picks well, Zach Wilson lit it up, lit it, lit it up with picks last year. Yeah. I think he's going to be have a better situation though. Um, most picks. Let's go, Geno Smith in Seattle. How does that sound? I, I would like the sound of that, but uh, it's got it's got uh, Justin Fields, it's got uh, Wilson, and it's got uh, Davis Mills. No, Davis is going to be good. Houston. Yeah, oh. I think he had a I think he had a pretty decent yeah, f- rookie year. Finished strong. In fact, I like the uh, over on the Texans win total. You heard it here first. Their win total is at four and a half. I think they're going to win five or six. You're going to sneak in there and get some. Okay, yeah. very good. All right, we have. Uh, do we have some predictions for the upcoming season? I want to hear something. We know what what the Vegas odds makers say, but I'd like to hear some some homegrown. Yeah. Gen- organically generated predictions from K- Chris Cato. Especially since I'm the only one that saw the Bengals going to the Super Bowl last year. Right? Remember when I sat here on this show and, and told you in September of last... Oh, wait. No, we, we, no. Weren't, we yeah. weren't on air then. Right, no. Uh, yeah, I've got a couple for you. Now, these aren't really... You know, this isn't mind-blowing, but I think the Eagles are going to not only make the playoffs, but play for the NFC Championship. Are you ready for that? Oh, wow. Are you ready for the Eagles? They're loaded... Jalen Hurts is going to have a monster season. He's got weapons all around him now. We're going to have the Eagles playing the Packers for the NFC title. Packers are going to win. Packers are going to play the Bills for the Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, I've got another good one for you here, too. Um, Tua. It's Tua time. MVP? No, but he's going to silence the critics. He's, He's set up in a perfect position now. Yeah. He's got... These weapons, just like he had set up at Alabama, where he's throwing the slant to Judy underneath, and he's going to rugs over the top. He's got that now with Waddle and Hill. He's going to, shh, critics, look, I'm the man. He's going to have a great season. I think the Dolphins may have a shot at the playoffs. Yeah. No, yeah. I think the defense is going to be pretty legit. Yeah. So that's going to help, especially yeah. with those weapons, the cheetah back there. How about another unproven quarterback yeah. that uh, I think could and will, I'll say it now, will lead his team to the playoffs, Trey Lance. How do you like him? I do. That's. I mean, that is certainly an unknown commodity. So, you know, he's got some weapons there, and uh, I think that, that that could come together as one of the more explosive teams in the NFC. But I got to see the guy do it. Yeah, I think he will. I, you know, the Niners are such a well-run organization, right? They see something in him, and, and now Jimmy G's willing to kind of, you know, stay in uh, 
an annulment with his ex-wife in a way and stay there in the house and, and back him up. And they've got a d- good defense. So I would not be surprised to see the Niners make the playoffs with Trey Lance at the helm. Okay, I like those. Those are some nice picks. Uh, I got some a little bit off the reservation a little bit. I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. N- your highest passing yards this year. All right, it wasn't one of the names that we we mentioned before. I'm going Derek Carr. Okay, I like yeah. Derek Carr. I, I think that that offense is intriguing. I think. It, look, you have somebody other than Hunter Renfro to throw the ball to. Exactly. So Devonte Adams, I think, is going to mix in there real nice. Yeah. And uh, along with the ball the, uh, of the tight end, I think that this is going to be a this is going to be a pretty yeah. fun offense to watch. Sure. It's still it's still the toughest division for my money. Yeah. Uh, or one of the toughest divisions for my money, but um, but I like Derek. But Hunt. to your point, not the toughest defenses to play against. So he could he could put up some numbers for sure. I like that one. That's a good one. Okay. Coming in at my second prediction, um, how about we'll go with a we'll go, we'll go with a uh, a team, um, someone that uh, you know I didn't really have them in my power rankings initially, but the more I think about it, the more I like it. I think the Colts finish tied with the best record in the AFC. Best record, so we're looking uh, eleven wins, something like that, maybe twelve. I, I, I think twelve wins okay. is probably going to get it done, um, but I think within that division. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Matt Ryan. Yeah, I, I think Pittman's going to have a great season, um, and I think defensively they got some guys. So and you've got Jonathan Taylor, and you got maybe Jonathan the Taylor, best he, weapon. He may, in the he league. may lead the yeah. league in rushing. Absolutely. Yeah, I like that one. I think they definitely win that uh, AFC South. And then finally, sure. we got we got um, I got MVP okay. Lamar Jackson. Okay. Even without a contract, yeah. I don't think the contract gets done. I think he goes and and he'll be he'll be tagged next year. But I think he goes in. He is he is his own agent, and he will be his best agent during the course of the season as he plays out. I think he's going to have an MVP. That's actually season. more motivation, right? Yeah. I, I like that call. I was going to say the same. I'll say uh, Russell Wilson outside shot for MVP as well. Very good. Yeah. You know what the uh, the odds are for the old Detroit Lions that were featured on Hard Knocks? Oh, I don't know, but I'm so cheering for them now yeah. after watching Hard Knocks. How can you not root for? For Pl- Coach Campbell and the Lions. Plus 410 to make the playoffs. So, still long shots. I mean, they, they like the Vikings. They like the Packers out of that division, of course. But they're kind of right there on the lower bottom with the Bears. Dan Campbell, though. He's made a fan out of me. Yeah, really. He, he's a gladiator. And I, I mean, like, in American gladiator sense. Like, he's Gemini. He is He's Nitro. He, he could still strap it on, I think. Who do you think wins uh, a fight between him and Mike Vick? Mike Vrabel. How does that go? Oh, that is good. That's a good one, right? Well, I think we got a hide advantage for Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Vrabel man. a reach advantage, though. I mean, I guy's think, got I think some length. Vrabel's been out. I think he's he just seems like he's been out of the game a little too long. Yeah. And so he doesn't have the, um, you know, that peak fitness level okay. that I think Campbell has stayed at. I think yeah. he's, at, he's well, stayed revved in the red yeah, line. He's revved for sure. We saw yeah. him doing the yeah. up-downs with the team. There, that was uh, that was a good hard knocks. That really was. Cool. Yeah, I think uh, you know you mentioned uh, I don't know MVP, but I think Jared Goff is going to. I think he's set up for a really good season. Yeah, I mean uh, they have some more pieces offensively. You know whether or not they they all are healthy and ready to go. But um, you know Amon Ra, St. Brown, uh, yeah, looks I think awesome. he, he's yeah. he's one of those guys. I think the run game could help balance things out a little bit for Goff this year but I think it's a it's a prove it year for him yeah. Um, but yeah that's the one thing about hard knocks is it kind of makes you a fan of the team that you watch as you go in and, and there's characters that have been made I love the the linebacker out of Oklahoma State uh, Rodrigo Rodrigo I love yeah. the boots and the hat and that jeans he, uh, he put on after he yeah. found out he made the team he goes and puts on his rodeo gear that yeah. was awesome 
Best and worst of college football, Chris Cato. We had some oh some dynamite goodness. games in the official week one of the college football slate, um, but you know, and still questions too. What what do we know of Ohio State at this point? I'll tell you what I know and why I would be very encouraged if I'm a Buckeye fan. I think they have a defense. Like that's been their weak point over the last few seasons where yes they were one of the most elite teams in college football but just couldn't put it together defensively and that cost him when they played big games but I think we saw instantly the Jim Knowles impact against Notre Dame I think we're going to learn that Notre Dame has a pretty good offense and the Buckeyes were just playing much better on the defensive side of the ball so uh, even though the offensive numbers might not have been what we thought they would be with CJ Stroud and all those weapons I think I would feel pretty good about Ohio State now after seeing their defense. Yeah, I, I think this Notre Dame defense, it, it could end up being legit. I think that it's going to be a slog offensively for them a little bit this year, but um, I, I do I do like uh, the pieces for Ohio State. I don't think there's any panic. I think you had some penalty issues. Yeah. I mean, a lot of this stuff is you're amped up for a first game of the season, and you're, you're not going to play clean football. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I mean, we saw that up and down all the, these games. I mean, very few teams are that honed in right out of the gates. You know, you've been Unless practicing. you're Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> the you- question is, was it a contest? I don't know, man, but that's one thing that, you know, Georgia is who we thought we were. Actually, they're not who we thought they were. I had some questions with given all they had lost to the NFL, but man, I, I mean, I do think that Oregon wasn't as good as we thought they would be, but still, Georgia had their way with the Ducks offensively and then defensively had freshmen playing in key slots and, and didn't miss a beat. Like, that was impressive from the Bulldogs there. Okay. You know, the, the best games of the weekend, though, were the two that featured two of the marquee programs in the state of Florida, right? The Florida State game and the Florida-Utah game. That was uh, that was drama and then song. My goodness. I mean, these things came down to the end. They didn't have to be that close down the end. Right. But I think Utah is a— They're legit. Th- yeah, yeah, they're a very good team. And one of the things that I think that was a little bit underrated about what Florida did to them was how effectively they ran the ball in the Utes. They did. Utah had like the they had one of the best run defenses in the country last year, yeah. certainly best in the Pac-12. And uh, between Richardson and, and the rest of the the slew of running backs, they they had their way. Yeah, who was the running brow uh, run, running back running Montrell. back? They, yeah, Montrell. They brought over with Billy Napier. We can talk to Sean Kelly about this later. Brought him over from Louisiana, and he tore it up. So yeah, I agree. Like very, um, sur- I was surprised that Florida was able to be more physical than Utah at the line of scrimmage. I felt, Gator fans, close your ears. I felt like Utah should have won. I, I feel like they obviously turned the ball over in the, on the goal line yeah. twice there. I feel like I Utah should have won, but Florida made the plays when they had to. In the other game, I felt like Florida State was by far better than LSU, but LSU just kept hanging around, and then Florida State tries to give it to them at the end and then finds a way to take it back. Uh, so, you know, two incredible games there. Okay. Well, we have uh, we have some big games this week too, and uh, you start there with Florida because I mean they got a big one against Kentucky. Kentucky yeah. jumping into the top twenty-five. How cool is it that we get a game of this importance that will probably determine who wins the SEC East uh, or who challenges Georgia? I should say, with Kentucky, a very physical team, and now Florida. Kentucky's got to go into the swamp which we just saw how hostile that is. Before the Utah game, I was leaning Kentucky on this, but after seeing Anthony Richardson is the real deal, I'm kind of leaning Gators now. Well, let's find out what these Gators are all about. What do you think, Chris?
I feel very honored and fortunate that we have the new voice of the Florida Gators on with us today, Mr. Sean Kelly. Welcome in, Sean Kelly, the new voice of the Gators. Uh, Now they have jumped up from unranked to 12th in the nation. It's your magic touch, the Midas touch (laughs) that Mr. Kelly has brought to this team. What did you learn about these Gators? Hi, guys. I I learned uh, a little bit. Uh, I knew that I think they were better than most folks expected. Um, I'm not sure that I thought they'd be able to have the poise to finish a game against a great Utah team. And I'm a little surprised to go from unranked to 12. That seems to be a bit of a large jump in my eyes. I kind of figured they'd come in around 19. That's what we do on week one, right? (laughs) Overreaction. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Because we all know and we all have the answers, right? So. Um, I know this, Anthony Richardson's the real deal. I I know that offensive line is very good. I know there's still questions about Florida's defense, especially up front. Um, And I say that only because I need to see more work and I need to be able to gauge it against something other than a very good Utah front five and, of course, those two dynamite tight ends that the Utes have. So um, Billy Napier's got this thing going in the right direction. Uh, Big ships take a long time to turn, so... Let's not throw everything at game one just yet, but certainly you couldn't have asked for a better start. And for me personally, an easier game to call. <laughs> Richardson is one of those guys that you saw you saw the athleticism from day one he stepped on campus, and it was just a matter of putting him in the right opportunities and just letting him fly, so to speak. And I feel like we saw that uh, distinctly here against the Utes uh, this last week. I mean, 298 rushing yards against the team that led the Pac-12 in rush defense last year. How does Richardson change everything? Well, let's, let's just start with the man himself. He's healthy, and I think that's a big big plus for him this guy's been banged up basically since high school was banged up most of last year and sharing that job with Emory Um, so obviously full health is good and then a full offseason under Billy Napier this this system suits him in that he's not asked to do a tremendous amount uh, in the passing a game Uh, he does have the great arm and he can make all the throws but man he's such a weapon with his feet and it's 6'4 6'5 about 235 237 pounds He's hard to bring down, so he's a problem, a real problem. And in Napier's system, as we saw this past weekend, if if they can keep Anthony to maybe one, possibly two reads on a certain play, he's heading for success. Um, he's allowed to, to do less up here and more with that uh, God-given talent that he's got. So, yeah. uh, And as we saw in the two-point conversion, Billy Napier told us on Monday night on Gator Talk that uh, he was kicking himself that he had made the wrong play call, but thank goodness he had an Anthony Richardson who made that a sensational play, and they were able to, able to convert and get two very large points in what turned out to be a one-score game. He really did. That was quite the Houdini act he pulled there. He reminds me almost of like a stronger Vince Young, if that's possible. Just uh, such a special athlete. Uh, Sean, it's clear that Billy Napier is putting his stamp on this team. I mean, this team, this Florida team, just seemed more physical than I think a lot of us expected along the uh, offensive line. You, you, Scott mentioned the rushing yards against a very stout Utah team. And, and Billy also was showing he's not afraid to play freshmen. They had a lot of guys step in and, and have some some big roles there. Um, I, I know that, you know, you can't really – get off to a better start than this but do you see a difference already in in just kind of what he's bringing to this team in terms of physicality yeah I do um and I saw a difference even just from the start of training camp to the first game and 
you know, this process has been ongoing since December, but I don't get here until August 1st. So I can only really truly evaluate what I saw during training camp. And that was a team that seemed to kind of have a renewed sense of purpose and kind of started to get the idea that not only if you play together, but you played a disciplined way, uh, you eliminate some things that perhaps would set you back or allow you to be more into a situation if you have a lack of depth or a certain lack of talent in certain positions. Because that's the case with the Gators right now, and Billy Napier's got work to do in recruiting. But I kind of believe that the offensive line would do well, a uh, number of guys returning. They put up nice numbers last year. And then Osiris Torrance comes from the University of Louisiana with Napier, in a sense, and he's slotted in there and is the starter on that offensive line. So that's a very good unit. I think they've been physical all along, but I think in this sense they're able to put it all together. And the other thing I thought, there was a very significant play in the ball game that kind of speaks to this, this discipline and wanting to kind of uh, get away from shooting yourself in the foot, per se. Um, there was a timeout called. Utah had a decision to make, fourth and short. Uh, they appeared to be ready to go for it in the red zone. And when they came out of that timeout, you kind of felt maybe they're going to try a field goal here. And sure enough, their quarterback goes into the hard count. He cannot draw them off sides, and then they have to settle for one of those two first-half field goals. That play in itself right there, I think, in some ways, describes some of the change that we're already seeing under Billy Napier. When I listen to Billy Napier talk, I don't know if it's just me, but he's got some Saban in him. I mean, <laughs> his cadence, I don't know if it's the Southern draw, but like, and I know obviously he's, he worked under him. I'm sure that stuff kind of rubs off a little bit, but even his demeanor, do you see that, Sean? I do. Um, and, you know, part of me wants to say, oh, it's, it's Saban-like because he's never too high or never too low. Well, I, I've seen Nick Saban lose it on a sideline before. <laughs> um, that's kind of Napier's thing. It's a very cerebral. The word I like about Napier right now is deliberate. Mm. It seems like whenever he's talking with his team, or he's on the sideline, there's a very deliberate feel to Billy Napier. Um, and it's playing well right now with his team. And I think it'll serve him well long-term, and that's certainly what I saw when he was at the University of Louisiana. You know what I, I think helps, too, is, is having a staff the size of those that we see at oh, Alabama yeah. and Clemson. Now, he did, he did a very, very um, wise thing, I believe, in taking that Florida job. He could have asked for the eight and a half, nine million dollar payday that some of these new coaches are getting at these major programs. He said, no, you know, I'll take my seven million. I think I can live on seven mil, but let's take this other money and spread it out and get some assistance, get some uh, a staff built here. And I think those things show up on game day, too. Right. Yeah, I, I do as well. I think there's two things that I think about really when you when you start talking size of staff here. The first thing is kind of saving like in that Napier's goal with this program is to eliminate as much gray areas as possible. It's either black or white when it comes to most every situation that would face a football program. So if you can have a large enough staff to where you can be extremely specific with each staff member's job description, um, that helps. And the only way to do that is have enough people to where, you know, all right, Bill, this is your job, that's it. I only want you to worry about this. Um, the other facet of this large staff is that when it comes to culture or, as he calls it, attitude and everything else, is that he really wanted a large enough staff to where it would be diverse in a way that really every player would have the ability to find someone that looks like them, sounds like them, hmm. is from their same neck mm -hmm. of the woods, um, had you know a path that they admire, 
And so therefore you get some, you know, small mentorship relationships going that there's somebody that they feel comfortable with or can talk to in a lot of ways. Can't do that with a smaller staff. That's the second piece of why I think he went after, you know, the large team picture as we saw. <laughs> and the recruiting game is all about relationships. Uh, you know, I'm curious, Sean, when, when they lured you to Gainesville, uh, did they did they throw out the red carpet with the recruiting? T- I mean, were you were you swayed by the facilities? What was it that did you in? What did me in was a couple of things. um, I love every point in my career when I've been affiliated with a team or a program. uh, And I love being a part of a community. And so check both of those boxes. But the way that Billy Napier is, Scott Strickland above him, there was such a feel and energy uh, on this campus. And I think I I fell for or I, I fell in line with kind of the vision as to what they're going with here. And look, I know all things are cyclical and they'll change, and I'm not going to give Florida 33 years like Mick Hubert did, uh, but I plan on being here a long time. And and with that being said, maybe Scott Strickland won't be, and maybe Billy Napier won't be for a variety of reasons. But I just I looked at Florida and the direction they're heading, the kind of people they have here in Gainesville, and then you know at the end of the day, if I were to make a short list of the top brands in college athletics. Florida's there. And I'm talking about like a list of three, four, five. Um, and so a national brand with an obvious commitment to winning, but also doing it the right way. So yeah. all those things fit. And sometimes, you know, and not to get too spiritual, sometimes we pray about doors being opened where they're supposed to be open and doors being closed, you know, in that manner. It felt like in some ways the doors are being blown off the hinges during mm. this whole process during the summer. So at some point you kind of have to look up and go, all right, I hear you. I get it. This is where I'm supposed to be. And well, you can get spiritual happy. anytime yeah, here on the yeah, Nod there's Pod. There's no such okay, thing as being, being too spiritual on the Nod Pod. Um, so you're following in the steps of, obviously, a legend. You mentioned 33 years for Mick. What's that like? I mean, is does that come into play? Is it a little bit imposing when you step behind the mic for the first time to call a game, or does, does that just kind of disappear? It's only imposing in the in the sense that you don't want to screw it up. I mean, <laughs> you've had a guy here for 33 years, David Steele before him, and I know David well from my days in the NBA. These gentlemen built basically the foundation that I'm going to stand on here for a while, and that's you know the quality of the broadcast, the relationship with uh, this school and, the, and th- these teams, their fans, and then obviously what they were able to do in big moments. And so... In that sense, it can be a little imposing. I think I'm more prepared now at my age and in this point in my career to step in and be just fine with that and kind of go against everything everyone told me about, you know, don't be the guy that follows the legend. Be the guy that (laughs) follows the guy. Um, But, you know, look, I'm just very appreciative of what those those guys did in in the role that I now currently have, and I'm just here to try and, you know, keep it going in, in, in my own way. Sean, I know touchdown calls are important. Uh, I, I came up with a short list. You can take what you want, you know, kind of chew the meat, spin out the bones. All right, here we go. It's a feeding frenzy. What do you think? Um, no. I'll, I'll note it, okay. and we'll see. If it How about this out. one? Yeah. That's cold-blooded. Get it? Because the Gators. I, it's, it's funny because I, I have kind of used that before all right with regard to an nba player now maybe it fits even better as you said because oh i think he's interested in that one (laughs) hang on i got two i got two more uh grab a buddy because that's a tutty that's more kind of gronk inspired yeah yeah it is uh i'll kind of leave that to you i think all right and and my my last suggestion 
Oh my, my, my. Just adding a few more my's to the end. <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because I have <laughs> I have been asked whether I would I would do an oh my, you know, in homage to the Cuban. Right. Um, yeah, I don't I don't I don't see why that couldn't be slid in there at some point. Um, and I get a lot of, hey, what's your signature phrase yeah. gonna be? I don't really I don't really have one that's kinda not my style. But there are there'll be things I'm sure you'll say. I've heard Sean say that before. I well, kind of like that you don't have, you know, you don't feel pressure to have a go-to like Scott does here. Yes. Like, you know, well, the fact that you rejected all of those makes yeah. me think that no, the Gators are in really good hands. I, I took them under advisement. <laughs> some I like more than others. He hasn't completely rejected them. I want to say that, uh, you know, I, I feel good about this because, Sean, you're our first guest on our first installment of No Off Days, or the Nod Pod, as the kids will be calling it, and you were – on the first call for D- Billy Napier's debut, so we can only have firsts. success, right? Firsts. We this is a good thing. This is a blessing yes. from Sean to us. I think you know. Well, much like Billy Napier and the Gators, uh, who gifted me the great game to call in my first time out with the Florida Gators, I would say that I feel the same way about our th- first visit here. Very oh. good. He is Sean wow. Kelly, and you get to look forward to maybe not thirty-three years, but a long time behind the mic up there in Gainesville. And a big game on Saturday in big the swamp game. again. We got those Wildcats. All right, thank, thank you, Sean you. Kelly, for your time. Appreciate it, yep. guys. That was fun. He's good. Yeah, he, he spent some time at ESPN. Uh, yeah. He's he's called a lot of a lot of big games. I, I got to think that though, jumping into college football as kind of full focus. I mean, I know we're biased. We love college Big football. Big time bias, but, yeah. But uh, the electricity that comes from being so excited. Now, in is the that swamp. not our uh, – maybe it, it's just me, but was that not one of your fantasies? I know you had many. You're, you're a, a fantastical man, but mm. one of the fantasies is to be the play-by-play voice for your, for your team, right? I mean, I can't tell you how I've thought about. Well, I'm a I'm a bumbling fool, so I never really. You, but had you had those great. I didn't have the confidence. You had those to, great touchdown calls to, there, though. <laughs> the oh my my my. Oh. How many mys get I, us I out of uh, copyright? Oh issue? my goodness, is right. what I thought. All right, it's time for our second guest, and this was in no particular order, as we of course have no bias on the No Off Days podcast. <laughs> but we're going up to Tallahassee to welcome in the new voice of the Seminoles, Jeff Colhane. There he is. Welcome on in. Thank you for standing. By so so we I know that there's a rivalry between the two schools. Do you feel a rivalry with Sean uh, down the road from from you in Gainesville? Guys, great to talk to you. Yeah, just pure hatred. There we go. <laughs> we should have put you in the right, same right. on the same screen. Right. Like they can't be in the box. same room together. Uh, no, I, I tell you, Sean and I we spoke a few times before. Uh, you know, we got to our respective schools, and it's it's been fun to follow his career he's a tremendous person tremendous broadcaster and i look forward to getting to know him and to see these rivalry games uh, up close and personal for years to come you talk about great calls I oh mean, my the, the block pat my man you, you did it well uh fire up the war chant and plant the spear yeah. i was fired up i was too so mike fired Nor- up william floyd didn't let you talk but uh i was fired up too everybody was screaming mike norvell you have your signature <laughs> win that was a great call listen to that one several times some of these questions will sound a lot like the ones we just asked sean because you guys both called for your first game these incredible well, he's game number two duquesne Let's not forget about Oh, yes, about that's du- right. I'm sorry. I'm looking, I'm looking past, past yeah, the, du- the Duquesne game. Past. I'm sorry. You did have a nice warm-up with Duquesne there, Jeff. But, yeah, what? That was – okay. Is it fair to say that was your first tense game where you, none of us knew what was going to happen, right? And both 
teams are kind of trying to give it away at the end and then oh my goodness you know LSU muffs the punt again and then Florida State is trying to salt it away and fumbles the ball and what's going through what's going through your mind in those moments are you just kind of like the rest of us like a fan just kind of I got to wait and see what happens here are you also kind of is your heart breaking a little because you see this thing getting away from the Seminoles yeah it was just a game that was filled with a lot of surprises a twist turn right uh, a lot of shock it was a roller coaster, man uh, I mean it feels like is ready to push this thing in the late quarter put a strangle on this content and guys we're up way up high in the Super Bowl I'm sure you guys have been there before uh in the Bucks and, and Super Bowls and all of those things I, I feel like I can kiss the, the sky way up there you know and so when occurred, Malik Gabers fumbled his second punt of the night and Florida State recovered. Right below us, the 600 level, LSU fans, man, it was like rats, they're getting off the ship. They were scurrying for the exits. And just a few moments later, there's the fumble. And you're thinking, all right, 99 yards, Jake Daniels company. And just like that, they're down the field it's and they're crazy. at the one yard line. You get the long review at it took 45 minutes to figure out the inbounds, the out of bounds. What are we doing here? And uh, it was, it was wild. Yeah, it was one of the more bizarre that the game I've ever been a part of. A lot of a lot of people got to brush up on their uh, first down, stopping the clock. How much time is on the clock? Scenarios in, with that knee down. I felt like in all these games over the weekend, these referees had—I don't know if they had, you know, <laughs> taken the whole off season off and not studied some of the reviews yeah. and rule books. But yeah. that was tense. Oh man, it's so exciting! Such an exciting time for for Mike Norvell, though, and you're stepping into this, Jeff. I was really impressed by some of the new faces they have in place now you had the guy who blocked a, a couple of kicks maybe but then this transfer Jared Verse from Albany like where do, he's from Albany where does this guy come from he's a monster on the defensive end tell us about him yeah this is a young man ironically enough that I saw at my previous stop hmm. in Fargo North Dakota in the Fargo Dome North Dakota State opened last season versus U Albany and he came in with obviously a lot of fanfare then Hit the transfer portal and a ton of expectations, trying to replace guys like Mate Johnson, the first round draft pick of the New York Jets, and Keir Thomas, an undrafted free agent, made the roster for the Los Angeles Rams. So, you're adverse to the next man up, I suppose you could say, along the defensive line, along the edge there, and you're you're not sure if you can fill the shoes of a guy like Mate Johnson uh, with what he did a year ago as ACC Defensive Player of the Year. But I'll tell you what, guys, uh, you're is off to a fantastic start. He had a huge impact in the game in so many ways on Sunday night against LSU and blocks a field goal, two sacks, two and a half PFLs. You know, a young man out of Dayton, Ohio, making his way to Tallahassee, Florida. He has been as good as advertised and some. Jeff, I got to ask you about about the the vibes at the Superdome because that's obviously for opposing crowds, whether NFL or in college. It's a it's an imposing venue. Uh, what was it like? there i mean what was the representation of seminal fans what the the pendulum swings there at the end what what were the feels from the stadium look i'll tell you before sunday before game day it was florida state fans taking over the court and i think lsu fans the majority of them since it's just an hour down the road uh, to the west along i-10 
I think the majority of them made their way to Urban Street and to the city day of games. They they rolled in Sunday in full force. When they got there, they were there. You knew LSU fans were were around and were going to be part of this thing. But, man, I'll tell you what, there was Garnet and Gold Splash all over Bourbon Street, all over the quarter. And Florida State fans represented very, very well for about three, four days down in the Crescent City. In the venue on Sunday night, I would say you could say 60-40, 55-45. Really? I mean, yeah. Florida State they sold represented. out there a lot, but 30,000 tickets immediately. It probably had a few more in there after that. The capacity of the Superdome, uh, 68,000 after some renovations recently. And it was pretty close. It was, it was a bowl game, college football playoff kind of atmosphere. Much like we asked Sean, uh, who takes over for a legend in the broadcast booth with uh, Mick Hubert departing, you're taking over for Gene Deckerhoff, who's been, I mean, 40-plus wow. years. Uh, just he is synonymous with seminal football, uh, much like how, he, I mean, he and Bowden kind of grew up together, and it's it, it's imposing. I, I know that it's difficult to step into a situation when everybody is so accustomed to a certain voice, a certain personality, but you get this amazing opportunity what have the last couple of months been like for you how have you been embraced by seminal fans and life in tallahassee probably a little different than north dakota yeah i, I would echo a lot of things sean said guys uh, when he asked him that same question I, I think the biggest thing is you don't want to come in and, and stumble over yourself and mess this thing up mm. because <laughs> look there's an expectation not only for the fan base but to me there's an expectation of gene deckerhoff I mean, this is Gene Deckerhoff's broadcast booth, and he's listening, and he's paying attention. <laughs> and you want to step into those uh, into those shoes and step into that booth and hit the ground running and make it sound like you've been around for 10 years and not two weeks with the headsets off. And I'll I tell you what, everyone here has been amazing. They have been so welcoming. Uh, folks here at Florida State, fans, social media, they didn't have to be. I mean, they didn't have to. Uh, welcome us in, my family and I, in the way that they have. They could have waited to see, you know, hey, is this guy, how's he going to sound during the game? Are we going to, you know, chew him up and spit him out right away? Because change is hard. I mean, Gene yeah. Deckerhoff, 48 years calling Florida State men's basketball, 53 years calling Seminole ball and soundtrack for the Bowden era and all the national championships, right? So change is tough. You know, I joke with Gene, and he's been amazing to me. It was it's no shock to anyone. I'm sure right. you guys know him very well. He and his wife, Ann, have been fantastic to my family and I. Guys, they brought over a card table, folding chairs, and a rocking chair to our house in Tallahassee because our stuff still hadn't shown up. Uh, there you go. <laughs> they furnished it for the you. The welcoming committee, the Deckerhoffs. Yeah. Hey. And so, uh, yeah, it's been, they've been fantastic. And, and the big thing is that you know everybody has been great. We've tried to bring ourselves in the community as much as possible. Yeah, and looking forward to continue to add uh, here as well. But I was I was saying, but joke with Gene. Gene, you could have done like fifty or twenty years at this place, and not fifty, for goodness' sakes. I mean, take it easy on the thing. Yeah, Gene's wow. travel schedule was like 
epic. That's okay, crazy. like calling Bucks games, calling Seminole games, the flights overnight. I mean, and he's up there in years, and I was always in awe of his ability to still do it, do it at right. a high level, and then all the travel that goes into it. And he was it. doing basketball games too, right? Right, like, but, uh, but during the football yeah. season, having to bounce on a Saturday night from yeah. some road game to wherever the Bucks are playing, yeah. I mean, it's it's incredible. The man, uh, he certainly has got a, a, a young spirit, and uh, he will be missed. Did he shoot you a text, though, at least after one of these last games? I don't know if he's big on text. Does Gene yeah. text? Oh, yeah, he's he's been awesome. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he... He and I have texted back and forth. Uh, he's provided guidance. He's provided, you know, things that have worked for him. He, he shot me his spring game, his final football broadcast, mm. his spring game broadcast charts that he used my way to help me get acclimated with some of our personnel early on in the summertime. And he texted me good luck before our first coaches show. He and his son Dennis showed up at the second coaches show, and we had dinner and a, and a cold beverage together afterwards. And then – he was listening on Sunday night. We gave him a shout-out on the air, and he texted it right back immediately after we uh, we gave him a nod and uh, texted some very kind things uh, our way to myself and, and to Bar None and Tom Block, our broadcast team, following the end of that uh, game and that broadcast, which was just a blast to be part he might have. G might have had a little regret the way that one ended, not being not not being on the call for that game one. too yeah. soon. Yeah, hopefully he doesn't pull a Tom Brady on you and, and come out of retirement. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff, you're off to a great start. I want to touch on one thing. You mentioned your time in uh, Fargo at North Dakota State. What a great program! Um, and I'm kind of asking this out of selfishness because I want you to provide me with some. Uh, testimony here some evidence of earlier we were giving our NFL predictions for the season and I said Trey Lance will lead the 49ers to the playoffs uh, tell us about him what, what you saw him what you saw out of him and what you think the 49ers see in him well you know a tremendous person uh, number one who comes from a great family you know his, his father Carlton I believe if I'm remembering correctly grew up in Florida and, and grew up a Seminole fan if I'm remembering uh-huh. correctly, during the recruiting process and played college football at Southwest Minnesota State in Marshall, Minnesota. Uh, that's where he met his uh, his wife, Angie, and the Lance family came together and was born. And my, my, my connection and my relationship with Trey Lance was an absolute joy, continues to be, staying connected with his family and, and being able to watch what he's doing in San Francisco. And you know, I just think he checks all the boxes. Guys, I know there's a lot of people out there that are talking about this, that, and the other. It's a little bit unique, I feel like, with Jimmy Garoppolo sticking around San Francisco and, and how that whole process has shaken out. But Trey Lance checks all the boxes physically. I think he's one of the most gifted uh, quarterbacks I've ever been around, whether close to broadcasting the team or just watching on television. I think he's got the athleticism, the strength, the, uh, the arm strength. And, and all of those tangibles. I think he also has all of the intangibles as well. He's going to prepare. He's going to get in the film room. He's going to be a leader. He does everything you need out of quarterback position. Now, how does that translate over as a full-time starter into the National Football League? I would agree with you. Because of what he does and how he does it, I think Trey Lance is going to have a tremendous career and going to hit the ground run and, and help lead the 49ers to being a team that's uh, right there to the top of the SC. 
for all the reasons that Jeff just stated, that's why I drafted him as my backup quarterback in the Fantasy League. Uh-oh. Fantasy news. Uh, yeah, Jeff, I won't bore you with all of that, but thank you so much for your time. We wish you the best of luck. A long ride up in Tallahassee. We hope that it's a great season for the Knowles up there, and uh, it's been fun to listen to you in your short time so far yeah. with this team and the pizzazz you bring to the booth. So it'll be it'll be fun for the season ahead, and, and thank you so much for taking a little time on the Nod Pod. Guys, I appreciate you. Thanks for having Thank me. Thank you, on. Jeff. Go Knowles. Jeff Colhane, FSU Radio Voice. I was hoping that we could get both those gentlemen in, Sean and Jeff, and maybe get a cage match. You think? I, I feel like I was worried that Jeff would see our color scheme here for for the nod and and it kind of well, it's it's a, not no, it's okay. red. It, no, I know this is a red outline. It's America, could, but he could you know he could misinterpret <laughs> it what we're doing there. Well, so I'm glad he didn't right. go that route. The Knowles have Louisville on Saturday, and you know that could be Louisville just got pounded by yeah. Syracuse but yeah. that's one of those where you wonder if the emotion of that win over LSU will uh, you know be hard to kind of get the Knowles back up for that game it'll be a good test it's been an emotional ride for Brian King in the the pit box Brian let's bring you back in uh, before we say goodbye to everybody we got a little fun little game that we want to yeah, play and uh, this is our our uh, stat story and stumper and uh, you've been putting in a lot of hard work to come uh, up with these three things we got a stat we got a story and you got a stumper for us and uh and we get to react so uh without further ado let's cue it up bk well the the story been great job with those interviews those, the, weren't you. those guys great sean and jeff i mean that was easy cow. yeah uh, that was easy um they both have silky story pipes. part silky don't they though yeah, yeah. they do yeah. except jeff um out like this <laughs> it was but uh, he hung that, on and yeah. we got him in well good thing we're all lip readers <laughs> i don't know about our audio audience <laughs> it worked out it worked out story part is kind of a fringe thing the michael jordan uh jersey from game one of the nba finals uh back in 98 the last dance finals yeah going up for auction Going up for auction this week, Ooh. three mm. to five million dollars. They think that's going to fetch. That's I want to know what is the most. That's it. I know you think it'd be more, but that was yeah. his last championship. You know, his last dance. Um, what is the most valuable, either personal or monetarily, uh, sports memorabilia that you two each have? That we that we have. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you just bought that TV twelve shirt. Got, yeah, I got this TV twelve shirt. That had to be uh, a thirty five. This, right? this was twenty seven dollars. Yeah, uh, yeah. I got it at, the, at a kiosk in the mall. Uh, oh man! <laughs> I, so, so it's authentic. I don't have. Uh, I don't. I'm not. I don't have. Come I'm on, not man, cool. you have I don't something. have a great man cave. Uh, and I've got um. I've got this 1958 Topps Mickey Mantle. Okay, wow. 1958 Topps Mickey keep, Mantle. Where do you keep it? It's at my uh, parents' home in my childhood bedroom in a shoebox. Uh, wow. Very, very secure. Uh, but it's a little dog-eared, little dog-eared corners. I haven't had it appraised, but I'm thinking, um, I think I might have to, yeah. after this podcast thing doesn't work out, might have to sell it. That's your new 401k. That's it. Yeah, I got some uh, old card. Um, I think the guy's name is Honus. No, yeah, Honest. okay. Oh, you got the Honus yeah. Wagner. Okay. I don't have anything of value. And uh, Come on. The, the, the things that I have are valuable to me. Okay? So I got some signed right. baseball cards. I have a signed baseball card. When I was young, I, I admired Mark McGuire. Yeah, me too. This was before I that realized. was my favorite player. I realized that he was bigger than the normal person for a reason. But I still admire Mark McGuire. So funny. Uh, but you I, said I that. waited in line. I waited in line at a high school, local high school. I grew up in the, the Northern California, the Bay Area. So we went to a lot of A's games growing up and waited in line for, uh, it felt like eight hours. Yeah. And finally, 
was there, took a picture with Mark McGuire uh, as a young lad. I think that picture has been uh, since deleted, but but I no. still have a signed, I still have the signed baseball card, and so that kind of that means a lot to me. But that's nothing, cool. nothing of value, nothing from anybody else. That is, that's pretty cool. BK, you got anything? Value, so that's good. You got anything, bro? Uh, got a piece of the Daytona track when they repaved it. Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that is. I don't Did know you what dig, value that you is. You dig that out with your own jackhammer? I went there one night, broke in. Nah, uh, it's it always better with a story. Against. Yes, it is. Uh, what's the next part? Stat and and yeah, give and us a good stat. Is that what it is? All right, yeah. Yeah. story we'll, stat. We'll, we'll combine these two. Okay. This is this is one of my favorite all time stats, and it's kind of timely here with Week One NFL cranking up. Jerry Rice he holds the record for most yards receiving after the age of forty. He's got, like, I think 2,500 yards receiving after the age of 40. Nice. Can you tell me who's number two on that list? After the receiving age of 40. Receiving yards in the NFL after the age of 40. Uh, when, uh, maybe we that's that's a tough one. Did Terrell Owens play until he was 40? Uh, I, Terrell I Owens played until he's 39. No, he could have still been doing it. After the age of four, he's tricking it. This is I think be some, yeah, I think it's I think it's a, a non-receiver. It's going to be like Hank Stram or someone like is that. Is it? Uh, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Adrian Peterson wouldn't be. Is it Tom Brady? It is Tom Brady. Hey! Oh, it's look at Tom that! Brady. Look at that! 2018, he caught a pass from Julian Edelman in a game against the Titans. Yeah, and that was yeah. the season following. Do you remember the drop pass in the Super Bowl right. against the Eagles? Yeah. So Tom Brady, so he'll be forty-five. Any, oldest any player question that starts with "Who is the oldest?" The first place we should go is Tom Brady. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You, Brian, because Scott got that right, you have to give him your piece of the Daytona track. That's his. That's his prize. <laughs> okay, I, I can do that. <laughs> I want a piece of I your driveway. That. Better yet, I'm gonna come chisel out a piece of your <laughs> right. driveway. All right, what's the third part of this? Story, stat, stump. I think you said you already, they combined a lot. Well, well you already stumped kinda, us. I thought I'd stump you. Oh, but I can you give didn't. you something else. I can give you something else. Yeah. Brady's this oldest player in the NFL. This is a freebie. Who's the second oldest player in the NFL currently? Oh, that would be um, – oh. And it's kind of timely for this week. Oh, uh, J- uh, Peters. The J- is it Jason Peters? Yeah. There you go. Dallas Sorry, Cowboys. Jason just, Peters. Dallas Cowboys' old. offensive line is kind of in the same shape the Bucks' offensive line is right now. <laughs> kind of piecing it together. Right. Yeah. Jason Peters. But Jason good one. Peters. I don't yeah. know. At 40 years old playing offensive tackle in the league. Yeah. When you got to try to keep – I mean, if he, I, I don't think he's going to play. He, who could – okay, if they had to switch roles, who has a better shot at being effective? Brady as an offensive lineman or Peters as a quarterback? Well, Peters ain't evading anybody, but nobody's going to be able to sack him. So I'm going to go Peters at quarterback. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That was good, Brian. Very um, good. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, guys. That is our stat, our stumper, and our story. Uh, my favorite of those, of course, was the one that I got right, which is the stat. So Yeah. All right. That was a lot of fun. We did it. We brought in the new voices of, of some of the in-state programs here, talked a little football, talked a little NFL. That is podcast number one, and it's in the books. We're going to have trouble topping this. We should just probably quit with this yeah, one. Yeah, no, this is a one-time deal. <laughs> All right, to watch full-length episode podcasts, you can, of course, and, and you if you want to see the piercing blue eyes of one Chris Cato, you go to fox13news.com backslash nodpod, see the video versions. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher. You can get the, the audio link every week since straight to your phone and of course you can find the show page on all the socials 
Yes, and my eyes are green, so oh, thank you for noticing. That's how closely I'm looking. <laughs> <laughs> On behalf of Chris Cato, Brian King in the booth, and the rest of the crew, I'm Scott Smith, and until next time, there are no off days.